Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and today we're going to talk with someone who has written a very interesting type of book. Cheryl Kniesel is my guest, and you might not be familiar with her name, but she has written this book in collaboration with someone who you might be familiar with, who has been here on Faith Conversations before, and that is Parker Palmer. So Cheryl has um, written this book called Heart Speak, a visual interpretation of Let Your Life Speak, which is a well-known book of Parker Palmer's. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But let me tell you, give you just a little thumbnail sketch of about Cheryl before I welcome her officially to the podcast. She is a graphic recorder, an illustrator, and an art educator in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Uh, as an educator, she has focused on visual literacy, and Cheryl is the founder of Meaningful Marks, um, a graphic recording and illustration firm, which I have no idea what that is, but we're going to find out. And I am linking her website and all pertinent information and ways to connect with her in the show notes, as I always do, just letting you know that now, if you're wanting to know more about Meaningful Marks, you'll have a website to go to. So a big friendly welcome to Cheryl Kniesel to Faith Conversations. Thank you, Anita. It's delightful to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. And I am not at all familiar with graphic recording or, or what a graphic recorder is, though. Let me just say this. I have a friend whose husband is a consultant, and I think he hired a graphic recorder to do some kind of um, event with a board of directors at some organization sometime this past year. And so I maybe have heard that term once. Is that Tell me, what is a graphic recorder? What do you do? <laughs> sure, that's a great question. Um, it's becoming more and well well known, but what I usually tell people who have not heard of it or seen it is that I am a dedicated listener in a room where a conversation is happening, and I happen to use images and text to harvest the essence of the conversation. I obviously cannot transcribe. Um, I'm only human, but what I do is listen uh, deeply and uh, create a visual summary of the group's time together. And the drawings I usually do either analog using big mark big paper and markers, or I also work digitally, uh, especially during the pandemic. And the the artifacts become just several things, several useful things. They become an artifact of the time together. Uh, they are a powerful way for people in community to hear, be seen and heard in a different way. Uh, after the meeting, it could be used as an accountability tool, um, a communication tool, uh, really, you know, just so many ways to use it. But I absolutely love what I do because it allows me to learn in so many different spaces, meet amazing people. And my mission with my business is really to uplift and amplify 
generative and transformative work being done in community. And um, and as an educator, I, I tend towards spaces that are having conversations around racial justice, education, inclusion, belonging. I work lots uh, with nonprofits and educators, but also across corporate sectors too. So I, I love what I do. Wow. I'm just here going, wow, wow, wow. I can't believe I've not known what what uh graphic recording is and what and also i want to know how how did you train for this i i i want to also interject this thought i have so many thoughts going on i'm a spiritual director so i know about deep listening but not for the sake of putting it into a visual form though maybe metaphor picture you know metaphor pictures for a client or some you know reframing and whatever that kind of thing but I'm fascinated by this. And, and what kind of training did you have for this? That's a great question as well. So I started my business about seven years ago after a book called The Sketchnote Handbook by author Mike Rohde popped up in my Amazon feed of all things. Yep. Uh, I clicked on it and uh, <laughs> ended up buying it. Uh, I was amazed that there was a name for what I had been doing in the margins of pages for quite some time. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. And so I, you know, devoured the book, but then started doing more research on just what this was and happened on the field of graphic recording. And again, <laughs> I was a little uh, amazed, like, wait a minute. I thought to myself that people, this is a job. People get paid to be in the room and listen deeply and draw it out. Uh, so- so let me interrupt with a question, a clarifying question about that. How long has this field existed? Oh, the field had actually 25 to 30 years. It no started way. In, yeah, it started <laughs> out in Silicon Valley um, on the West known. Coast, of course, with, you know, ideators and creative people and made its way, um, you know, to the other coast, New York, uh, again, a lot in creative spaces and creative businesses um, and has, you know, grown. Uh, I actually am a member of an organization called the International Forum of Visual Practitioners, uh, so internationally, when I first joined about five, six years ago, there were about 350 members. And now it's definitely in the 450 range and growing just because of the power of listening and visuals and community. Wow. I am absolutely shocked at how long <laughs> it's been around <laughs> because, you know, of course I'm thinking, I just heard of it. Can't have been around that long. <laughs> like, yeah. What, what do you think about yourself, Anita? Yeah. Like, you know, it all. No, I'm just shocked at this and I find it fascinating. And so now we, we need to turn a corner. So you've written slash illustrated this book called Heart Speak in collaboration with Parker Palmer. So let's begin with the subtitle, A Visual Interpretation of Let Your Life Speak. For people unfamiliar with Parker Palmer, he's been here on my podcast a couple of times, love Parker Palmer, an amazing author, and he is now in his, in his ninth decade. He's in his 80s. Yes, so that puts him in his ninth decade, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I I loved his book on the brink of everything, which he wrote when he was 80 or early, whatever, something like that, um, which models so many amazing and wonderful things for everyone <laughs> that's living life, that life does not stop when we hit a certain number, just 
I thought I'm just going to say that in case someone out there doesn't know that. Um, So love Parker Palmer, but talk to us a little bit about his book, Let Your Life Speak. How long has that been around and what drew you to this particular work of his? So I, uh, well, I, I think let your life speak was written 25 years ago. Um, so I know it's in that, in that realm. Uh, and I actually was gifted let your life speak a, a copy from my husband's grandmother, Jan, who, um, literally was my soul sister in another life. Uh, She uh, lived into her 90s, mid 90s. And we had wonderful conversations in her kitchen when I would visit um, about books and religion and education and politics and faith. And and she was a huge fan, had a huge crush on Parker Palmer. So I first (laughs) came to know his work through Janet. And when she passed, I was gifted several other books and Let Your Life Speak was one of them. And I read it the first time and then just continued to read it through the years. And it really became a touchstone for me. I underlined and book, you know, bent the pages and drew on the, in the margins. Uh, so it had always been a touchstone and uh, had followed Parker's work and read, read um, his work. And for my 50th birthday, I gifted myself a uh, retreat. I did one of his retreats, the Growing Edge retreats he was doing with Carrie Newcomer, poet and songwriter, Carrie Newcomer. All right. Can and- I, I, let me just interrupt and say, Carrie's been here on the podcast as oh. well, um, m- more than once. And also, I just want to say, I have to say, how spectacular that you gifted yourself this retreat for your 50th birthday. Um I am uh, a big believer. I am in my 60s now, but I often will say I think the decade of the 50s is the best for a woman. But I don't know. I'm doing pretty well in my 60s and (laughs) quite enjoying it. But I love that you gifted this to yourself. Talk about self-care and whatever else you can label it. Yeah, it absolutely was. And and Carrie um, was gracious enough to moderate the virtual book launch um, for HeartSpeak with Parker and I. Um, And it was so delightful. So I went to this weekend thinking I was just going to listen, probably sketch note. Um, In fact, I'd offer that to Parker as a gift for the weekend. Just, you know, I'm happy to sketch note and share. And uh, it was a transformational weekend for me. Amazing humans um, in conversation and deep listening. And at the end of the weekend, I was saying goodbye to Parker. And I said, we, Parker, we, should write a book together sometime. And, you know, he kind of left and, and I went on my way and, uh, and I had been doing a daily drawing practice of, um, my, my morning meditation would involve seeking a quote that resonated with me from wherever I was reading magazines or podcasts or, um, you know, wherever. And I would do a quick illustration of it and I would post it online and, I had done it daily for about three years at that point. Wow. And I went back, um, I was searching for one one morning after the retreat, and I had realized that I had done probably 15 to 20 quotes already from Let Your Life Speak. And I, you know, the quote, the there's a saying that everybody has a book in them. Uh, I had really been thinking, you know, maybe mine would be something with sketch journey and education or how to become a graphic recorder. And and then it hit me like maybe maybe this is my book. Maybe I just take, you know, 70, 80 quotes of th- from this book and 
and do it that way. And so it kept kind of coming at kind of nagging at me. And so then the pandemic hit. Oh, yes. Oh, that. <laughs> I So then there was that and there was space. Uh, so I reached out to Parker with this pitch of, you know, what do you think? And, you know, logistically, what would I have to do, Parker? And he said, Cheryl, uh, I believe ideas are meant to be shared. And this, as luck would have it, is the only one of my books that I own the rights to outright. Uh, he said, you may have to jump okay, through some that's hoops. Huge. With my, uh, that's huge. It was. Alone. It was I'm sorry. Huge. That's just huge. No. Okay. Uh, he said, you may have to jump through some hoops with my with the publisher, uh, but uh, to get final rights, but um, I can help you with that. And I said, go for it. So, yeah. <sighs> so I started, you know, I identified the quotes. I went through the book again. The really one of the true gifts is that Parker and I began meeting monthly throughout the pandemic, you know, again, just having conversation with him yeah. uh, about how it was going. like spiritual and, direction. That's really right. what that is. That's what I'm it's thinking. just my board of directors during the pandemic. Um, just, you know, that. And so I, I hand drew the first um, version of the book. I actually, at the beginning had in my mind more of a book that would be just an art book, just a, you know, I'd, you know, just, illustrate the books and Parker, the quotes and, you know, my drawings, Parker's words, that was it. Uh, so I finished the illustrations and I had help from another friend I'd met at the Growing Edge Retreat who was in the publishing world, just advice on how to do the book proposal. And I sent it out to several uh, publishers and got some very good thanks, no thanks. Uh, so I asked some questions and and got feedback that, you know, we don't do we don't do art books. We don't do even blank journals if that's what you're thinking. So, um, so I kind of retooled. I did the other feedback was that they would they wanted the art to be digital. So I at, at that time started redrawing all the images digitally, okay. <laughs> which is a good practice to get it ready. Um, I also connected with um, Parker's former agent Cheryl Fullerton. And had just a really probing, pushing um, conversation with her. And she said, she asked me, Cheryl, how do you want people to engage with this book? Hmm. Very important question. Yes. Yes. And I thought about that. And I thought about the ways that I engage with some of my favorite books, like Let Your Life Speak or Mark Napo's Book of Awakening. And I said to her, I want people to read it. It and drawn it and mark it up and beat it up very honestly, throw it in their backpack, take it along in their pocket um, so that it helps them make meaning at all different stages because books mean different things to us at different times. And that's what my favorite books have done for me, uh, that a quote will, will mean one thing when I'm a young parent and mean a whole nother thing when I'm in my 50s. And so that, and she, so she said, I think you need to maybe then make this a circle of engagement, just kind of like you're drawing, Cheryl, she said. Mm. I think maybe it needs to be that Parker's words in your art, but then maybe your own personal reflection. And then maybe an open-ended question that will kind of lead people around. And that right after she said that, I absolutely, absolutely, that's what I want. Now, it's scared the bejesus out of me art is really my safe space and writing is not so all of a sudden it was a very vulnerable experience in that but I I hear you say that I'm here I mean it's not like I'm pushing back it's already done you have done it you've already (laughs) grappled with this but even as I hear you tell this story I sit here and I go 
but you know how to listen deeply and to transform, you know, the words into images. And so the words have at one point gone through your mind, you know, uh, almost in reverse. How do you look at the image and then think about the, the deeper thought? I have no idea how the process went for you, but wow. Um, that's what I'm thinking about as I wonder how you did it. I'd like to hear how you did it. And also, uh, let, let me hear how you did it first. And then I want to make a, a comment about how this has, um, how I've engaged with this and will continue to engage with your book. But how, yeah, what was it like then to go, oh, images have been my thing, but now words. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, even just um, the process of creating the book and choosing the quotes, the... <sighs> I wanted to make sure, because someone asked me that, like, how'd you pick them? You know, it, I, it, every time I read the book, I would find myself highlighting the same quotes. So those, that's how I picked it. But I also wanted to be very intentional about picking the quotes and the images so that they would resonate with a wider audience um, and not be so specific Um uh, and oh my gosh, just the, I struggled with some of these. I mean, Parker's words are not literal. They're so very abstract. Uh, they're big ideas and, and sometimes heavy and deep. So uh, I remember so many Saturday mornings sitting <laughs> trying to work with the hand-drawn images and saying to my husband, oh my gosh, how are we going to draw this? <laughs> what I love about the process, um, but my process is that, my my goal is to really I start by putting a lot of stuff into the image, the sketch, and then I take away, I remove everything that's not necessary and still be able to convey the essence of the quote. It's a lot like um, I once heard Naomi Shihab and I talk about how she writes poetry and she throws everything on the paper and then removes every word that is not necessary. And that's really my process wow. with the daily drawings and with this book because space um, on yeah. the page, um, in a drawing or a piece of artwork um, for ourselves, space uh, is so important uh, to listen deeply to ourselves and others. Wow. And so that's what I really want to do with these drawings. Uh, so yeah, then I had the drawings all done. And then all of a sudden the, sh the purpose shifted and I was going to be writing about each one. So that was such a fascinating way to engage uh, with the book and write. Um, and I really didn't, that part, you're right when you said that about the words were there already because I had done the work of deeply listening and sitting with Parker's words and because I needed to draw on my own lived experience to create the artwork uh, to fully convey his words and what they meant to me. Uh, and, you know, it is a, it is an, a visual interpretation, but obviously I'm bringing my lived experience into it. So it's just a different version of his, an interpretation of Parker's words. Uh, so I, the, the reflections came easily in some ways and hard in others. Um, the vulnerability of, there were several mm -hmm. times when I found myself set self-editing, like, Ooh, like, do I want to put that on paper? Um, and really then wanting to walk the walk. Like Parker walked the walk in this book. He was vulnerable and put it out there. And so I felt like to do it justice, I needed to 
to do the same. Um, so yeah. And then the questions, I'm a lover of beautiful questions. Well, so am I, I hadn't even mentioned the questions yet, but well, and in fact, I should, you know, take a second just to say one of the things that I love is that this is a book full of two page spreads. Mm. Um, I, since the pandemic, um, I've been up and down in my capacity to read lengthier things. I think that's not uncommon. I think that's been the experience of many, right? So um, I have another book that's Breath is Prayer. It's a two-page spread, and it's just what I need and can handle for the day. So I happen upon your book, Heart Speak, and I, I see this fascinating image that's so uh, thought-provoking with uh, what is underneath that is a, the quote from Parker Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak. So you have Parker's words, but then opposite that, and again, every one of these, every one of these is a, a two-page spread that really can stand on its own. It's just a great daily practice, I think. And that's how I'm using this. And then you get to read your words, Cheryl, your thoughts, your um, personal interpretation, if you will, uh, your vulnerability on on the page. But what I absolutely love is the question that you put at the end of each of these thoughts, this incredibly thought-provoking question and I'm here to say, and listeners of Faith Conversations know, I'm all, I'm always, you know, if if an author writes good questions, because many do not, it's it really it's an art, I think, um, or I don't know, but not everyone can write a good quality question that causes us to think more deeply or ponder for a while, or that we walk away and carry it with us for, you know, the day. Uh, so you just made that statement. I interrupted you, but you said something about the questions that you, you're a lover of good questions. Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, I'm a huge fan of Krista Tippett and her show on being and just, you know, her belief that the beauty of a response, you know, if we ask beautiful questions, we'll get beautiful answers. And I have always been so intrigued and fascinated by beautiful questions that, you know, the, that elicit my response of, oh, that's a great, that's a fabulous question, or that's a heavy question. Um, so that was my intention with this, because just because I think questions are such gifts to gently offer um, to others in our spaces. And uh, yeah, I think it's just such a way to create connection and opening. Mm. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it takes a a certain amount of courage to sit with a question. Mm. I think it's also really easy to blast through a book and go, oh yeah, good. Yeah, no, I'm not staying with that one because you've asked the kind of questions that might require a little something of us. Mm. which is the point, isn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm curious, in a, especially in a book like this, it's it's always interesting to, to ask an author, um, if you have some very favorites, if you have some top, I don't know, maybe top five 
quotes or something like that, or top three. I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, often authors will say, I don't know. It's like, you can't pick if I ask, you know, what's your fa favorite book that you've written? Well, I can't pick. It's like children. You can't pick a favorite. Um, but in a book like this, do you, do you have favorite quotes that you go back to over and over again? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I do love them all, but um, I have been, it's interesting. You said how you've been using the book. I, it's been very surreal, but I've been using it as a daily morning, part of my morning reading as well, which is fascinating. And I just do a page a day and then write, you know, I write in it. And I love that the book has the space at the bottom for writing in it. And, and yes. I hope people give themselves permission to write in books. I know that, you know, we can't do that in library books, which I love my local library, but uh, using, you know, pen or pencil or whatever, just to write in it just becomes um Colorful markers in my case. I yeah, like picking yes. colors. I, uh, I write yeah. all over my books. So I'm with you. I'm it's always nice to hear an author give that permission as yes, well. Please do. So um I have several favorites and I thought you might ask. So I bookmarked a couple. Oh, um, good. And give me page numbers so I sure, can follow the first along. one's on page 14. Okay. Uh and I and the oh. Parker's yeah, it was the one that I actually had held open. Oh, to, how funny! <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, initially to ask you about. So oh, good. good, go ahead. Sure. So Parker's quote says, "Running beneath the surface of the experience I call my life, there's a deeper and truer life waiting to be acknowledged." And <laughs> I sat with on that one a lot, and uh, I always personify a lot of the words and and um, abstract ideas in my art. And I remember thinking like, oh, where does life need to be sitting in this picture? And, and how can I show deeper and truer, um, you know, something that's running beneath and a, and a river came to mind. So I loved that the person in life, or, you know, the person has their feet hanging over the edge and dangling in the water, um, being part of that deeper and, and truer uh, river, but, you know, not quite immersing themselves in it yet. Uh, but I, that, yeah. Can I, I just I, say, I like that, that the person is holding hands with life or holding, yes. you know, locking arms yes. with life. Yeah. Um, I really, really like that because I think that we can live disconnected from our life. I think yeah. many people do for a lifetime and never, and never hold hands or lock arms with their own life. So I, I saw that and really loved that, especially. And I can't tell you how, uh, I won't use the word agonized, but I definitely, like when I said that, I really um, try to take out everything that's not necessary in an image. Uh, with this one, even like, should life be grasping? Should life be gently resting its hand on the person's arm? You know, those, in, those are intentional uh, marks that I make. And but I agree with you that so many times we can kind of float through life or get through life instead of just taking the space, making the space to sit with a question. So I'm just going to process this with you just a little bit. So I, as I'm looking at it, it really is life just kind of laying its his arm, like our hand over top of the arm of the person. Mm -hmm. So life is is trying to invite mm -hmm. this person to engage or to, to join or to lock hands, you know, to, 
to get move closer. And and I, I think initially I didn't see that. I was just thinking I liked that they were connected, but it's life that is is trying to connect first. Yeah, I think it was the intention of trying to communicate, like let life touch you. Yes. <laughs> like um yes. I yeah, I think about times um, you know, I'm a, a teacher, I teach elementary art still very part-time. Oh. And um you know, it's interesting in education right now, but I just recently had an, um, a kindergarten student who was having some dysregulation going on. He just was struggling to just settle and just resting my hand on his back for a moment. Like it's that kind of touch that, you know, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not, I'm not giving you directives. I'm just here. You need to know I'm here. Um, And it brings me to tears, but yeah, oh, absolutely. Touch. So, so give us a, an idea of what you said and feel free to, to read it. I mean, these are not lengthy entries. They are thought provoking um, and including your question. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, my reflection was this making time and space to truly listen for the life that wants to emerge is not selfish or wasteful. It's how I begin to acknowledge the more meaningful and true life that I may not even have words to describe just yet. Being open to surprise and wonder, even expecting them to show up, is a way to adventure into a new day. When I wonder what delightful connections or simple, ordinary beauty I will experience today, I find that I'm more intentional about seeking joy in small moments. And the question is, when have you been surprised by a beautiful moment? Recall the moment and what it meant to you. And I love it because it's not a quick, easy answer. You do mm-hmm. have to stop and ponder, which is part of the point. Mm-hmm. What I also love about the two-page spread is you can read Parker's quote and you can engage with the image first and think some of your own thoughts about that, and then move over to your good writing and thoughts and hear what it is that you have to say. And then that brings out yet other things that maybe you hadn't thought when you first saw the image yourself. I love that so much. I do too. One one other interesting way I've been using it, and I'm, I will be interested, I would love to, um, I'm thinking up some workshops to use the book mm. in, and I... I have started by covering Parker's words and just looking at the image first. That's cool. And seeing if I can come with like, what are, what are the, what's the, what am I getting just from the image? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what words come to me? And then I'll look at Parker's words and, and let them inform further how I read the image and then the reflections. And yeah, I just, nice. I've really enjoyed, you know, just the space it creates in the mornings and um, the learnings. Also, I would say um, if you have not read Parker's book, let your life speak, you don't have to, in order to um, enjoy and benefit from heart speak that Cheryl Kniesel has written um, in collaboration with Parker. Um, always a good idea to, to read one of Parker's books, certainly. And, and you'll probably glean even more but you don't have to have read it in order to benefit from heart speak. And I, I really wanted to get that point across to people. I think that's just uh, important also to know. So give me another favorite. 
another um, favorite. Sure. Yeah. Let me, let's hear another um, favorite. So page 34 is which, about, which, go ahead. Well, so let me ask this question first. So I asked you that, and then I realized I wanted to ask one question first, sure. that there are sections to the book, like you, you know, there's a table of contents uh, as well. And I, I did want to ask you about that. So there are six, you know, quote, chapters. Um, and I don't think I would have thought about chapters in a book like this, but you're drawing from Parker's chapters, I right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's also, I appreciate that. I'll let whatever you want to say about that. I sure. Think that's yeah. When I, when I first um, was structuring the book, I, you know, I did the images first, picked the quotes, did the images, and then, you know, had to, you know, flesh it out. And uh, I loved the journey that Parker takes us on through his book and uh, the titles of his chapters just seemed to fit along with the drawings that I had done. Uh, so I wanted um, I, the book. I, I appreciate you saying that it, it's a standalone book, but part of <laughs> part of what I think the beautiful thing is coming out of it is that it's, it's leading some people to pick up Parker's book mm -hmm. and read archeologically, like maybe read hard speak and then go pick up Parker's book yeah. and, you know, go backwards that way. And that's the kind of reader I am like, I'll hear a quote or, you know, Same. see a snippet and then, oh, wait. And, oh, now I need, okay, now I yes. need to read that. And uh, so being able to use this heart speak as a way to uplift and amplify Parker's wise and beautiful nice. work, um, is also has also been a gift. Mm, um, I love but that. Yeah. And and so Heart Speak is all about vocation and discernment and true self. If I have to pick, you know, kind of overarching themes from his yes. book. And um when I was writing the book and really this last several years as I started my business and continued teaching through a pandemic, uh I had to do lots of soul searching around vocation and you know, where was I using my gifts best? And, you know, was it, what was bringing me joy? So um, this one on page 34 is uh, Parker's quote says, vocation at its deepest level is, this is something I can't not do. Nice. And that I sat with, I've sat with that question or that quote many times um, in the past, probably 10 years. Uh, and the image, um, <laughs> the image is vocation on a path, but um, expectations is a little person getting in the way. And, and obviously, you know, again, that wasn't in Parker's words, but that is me bringing my life experience, my lived experience, uh, and probably a very universal experience for us as yes, humans about definitely. others' expectations, our own expectations of the shoulds. So, yes. yeah, yeah. So um, my reflection says this, what are the things you can't not do? For me, it's teaching, drawing, listening deeply, making connections between ideas, between people and heart songs. It's allowing and receiving loving and appreciating it's feeling the joy beauty sorrow and all the things in between in this one amazing life mm. and the question is what is something that you can't not do so i upon moving to florida i uh, had been a still am a spiritual director but I, my husband and i got involved in our local church community and i started teaching a class on uh, Tuesdays of women. And it just so happens it was a daytime class. So the um, 
age of the participants skewed a little bit older. And I think the question uh, comes up a lot with, well, I think it comes up with young people just embarking on their life journey, maybe heading to college or out of college or whatever. Uh, this big question comes up a lot at midlife again. And I think it comes up again in those um, retirement years, which I don't even like the word retirement, but it, it, you know, it lets you know what I'm talking about. And there are many who are asking that question in where circles that I'm in, um, or they're asking a question, not necessarily the right one. This is the right question to ask. That's what I want to say. What is something that you can't not do? And, and I think maybe we need to reframe it if something that we can't not do is something we're unable to do anymore. So, but what are shades of, or what are different hues of something I can't not do that I still could do? So, I, you know, you, it's still a very, it is a very important and worthy question. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Um you know, and I think it can be on so many levels, that question. I mean, you know, it can be, I can't not read a book without a pencil. Like I can't not, you know, I can't not, you know, I don't know, have my favorite, you know, just square of chocolate, uh, but it can also I can't be... not get two scoops when I go to the ice cream store. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Whatever. Okay. Simple things bring us joy. Right. Uh, but I think for me, it has always been, you know, wrestling with the shoulds of what I, what I should be doing and what I, what really brings me joy and that whole, um, you know, find what brings you joy and what the world needs and, and where they over overlap, do that, do that. And for me, that truly has been teaching and drawing. And um, yeah, like when I happened on the world of graphic recording that I, I was well into my teaching career, 25 years probably. And I said, Oh, I'm going to do that when I grow up. Like wow, that I need to do. So and then you know, what I think the power of asking that question is that even if you can't do that thing, in a big way, you can do it in a small way. Like I started paper taping up paper in my faculty meetings in my school and drawing at the back of the room to practice. Um, there's I always, <laughs> there's always a small way. There's always a small step you can take, right? You know, I feel like societally, and maybe this is a Western thing. We always think it's got to be big or not worth doing. Not true. No, great <laughs> right. things happen in very small steps. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I, this is just been so delightful to talk to you. And I'm so glad that, that we got to to experience in part a couple of the entries in Heart Speak. I love this book. I have already um, showed it to a bunch of people and suggested it to to them. Um, and I think for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I, I, it, you know, you don't even point to one specific reason why someone should get this and engage with it. It's quite layered, and I love that about it as well. So uh, fantastic job. I think the idea was brilliant and, and the working out of the idea into book form is even more brilliant. So thank you so much for your good work here. Oh, thank you so much for just being in conversation and, and sharing your experience of it. I, I think that is again, a true gift. Hmm. Well, great stuff. Heart speak. I will link that in the show notes as well as 
um, Cheryl's uh, website, how to you know connect with her and various social media where you can find her. Um, so again, thanks for being with me and um, sharing part of your process with us here on Faith Conversations. Thank you. Thanks again. And to everyone else, as always, I say keep the conversation going. <laughs>